heaven because we just want to take a minute to pause and uh, I want you to focus on him, Jesus. And the Bible says if two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in the midst. You may not be able to see him, but his presence is here. And Holy Spirit, we ask you right now, just all through this auditorium, release the touch of Jesus on every life. We just minister his presence to you right now. You know, the Spirit of God comes in waves. And uh, some of you tonight, you need, I feel like God's just ministering peace into your heart. And right now, there's just a beautiful stillness. I see angels in this place, and um, they're carrying, it's almost like they're carrying white feathers. And I, I feel like, you know, you put feathers in a pillow, you rest. I feel like the Lord is ministering incredible rest and peace. Uh, there are people here tonight that you've been distressed. Some of you have been traumatized by things you've been going through. Some of you are worried about some things. And Holy Spirit is just ministering the peace of Jesus all through this room right now. Just receive that. Uh, I feel another thing the Lord is just ministering is His love. There are people here, you feel distant from God tonight. For whatever reason, maybe you've done some dumb things and you feel like he's angry with you or maybe you just haven't connected with him of late. But the Lord, he doesn't wait for you to be perfect. He just says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. We minister his presence and his love to you right now. Just receive that. Just while we were in worship, I saw Jesus coming and walking among you. And you know, in Revelation, it's, it speaks about he walks among his churches because he so loves his people. And right now, Jesus is coming to touch you with his love and he's just releasing, and I just release a deeper revealing, a deeper revelation of Jesus to you. Yeah. Just receive a revelation of how much Jesus loves you. If you need healing tonight, just quickly put your hand on the part of your body that needs healing. If it's all through your body, just put your hand on your heart. And uh, we release the healing anointing of Jesus all through this room. We take authority over pain and sickness, infirmity, affliction. We break its power off you right now. We release to you a miracle in the name of Jesus. We command chronic illnesses to cease. We command pain and immobility in bodies to go. We command eye, uh, eye problems to be healed, deafness to go in the name of Jesus. Somebody, you're battling a drug addiction. Right now, the power of Jesus is coming on you to break that addiction off your life. Just if you're in pain, just begin to move something. Somebody, God is healing you in your shoulder right now. Just quickly raise it. See, as you act in faith, the power of Jesus flows to bring healing to you. There's a man here, a young man, you've injured your knee. Jesus is healing it. Receive healing right now in his name. And just a few, just put your hand on your lungs. I feel like there's uh, like asthma and other lung conditions. In the name of Jesus, just receive your healing. Take a deep breath. Be healed in Jesus' name right now. Allergies. Everyone who's suffering from allergies, Thank just you, lift Lord. your hands to Jesus. Mm. I break off the spirit of allergy in the name of Jesus, and I'll loose healing to you. Be set free from your allergy now in the name of Jesus. Whether it's hay fever, whether it's skin allergies, whatever the allergy is, the name of Jesus Christ sets you free now. 
Just one more time, Holy Spirit, just release healing anointing all through this room. Guys, you gotta catch this in faith. You just don't let it whip over your head. Say, God, I'm having that tonight. We release healing anointing all through this room. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Just move something, bend, twist your back, move your neck, whatever you couldn't do before, just begin to do it in the name of Jesus right now. Just receive healing anointing. Just check yourself out. Now you can just open your eyes and look. Just give me a wave. Just check yourself out. Move something that you couldn't have moved before or you were in pain and, uh, and just check yourself out. How many there's improvement? Just give me a wave. Just put your hand up. There's, there's a couple of hands there. There's a couple of hands there. Anybody up there? Any more up, up in the balcony? Just keep down the back there. Yeah, God there, is healing. And there'll be some of you that can't, you can't physically test it right now, but you felt God's God's. Power. Presence and power on you. Give us a wave as well. If you felt something, God touch you. You felt we the power the of Jesus just on you. You may not know you're healed. There's Be a number hands. of hands. That's cool. Yes. Amen. We're going to share a word that we feel is prophetic for the whole church worldwide. I believe something that God is calling us to. Greta's going to share for a minute or two, then I will return. All right. I just have about a minute to share for tonight. But what I briefly want to do is share two related prophetic words. The first one is about the priority of intimacy. And this is what I felt the Lord say. It is more important than ever before that every son and daughter of mine make intimacy with me their first priority in their lives. And this means that every day we come and sit at the feet of Jesus. We come and love on Him. We worship. We read His Word because that's where we get even greater revelation. And that's how we get to know Him. And the second word is an invitation. And, and this is what, it, what, it, what I felt the Lord say. Listen to the voice of Jesus speaking by the Spirit. Come away with me. Come away with me. Jesus is inviting us into that place of intimacy to know him deeper. And you need to know that Jesus is passionate about you. He wants your whole heart. He wants to be your first love. And tonight, if you are hungry and, and desiring to know Jesus more, to love him more, he's going to impart a fire of fresh love into your heart that you can be a passionate lover of God. Amen. Thanks, honey. You know, we're looking forward to the two nights, Monday and Tuesday at Mercury. What we'll be doing tomorrow night is uh, we'll be doing the prophetic on Tuesday. So Tuesday night, we'll be teaching you how to hear the voice of God, how to operate in prophecy. We hope that everybody will, you know, receive encouragement that night. And if you've never done that before, you don't have to have had any experience. We're going to make it really simple. Um, but tomorrow night, we want to talk about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. And because I believe, you know, we... Many as Christians, we understand who the Father is. We understand a lot about Jesus because we read about him. But the Holy Spirit can be a stranger to many Christians. So we want to unpack that tomorrow night. And we want the night to end up as an encounter night. So we want you to be able to encounter the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, be ministered to. So that's going to happen tomorrow. If you weren't here this morning, we have got some copies of our new book down the back there, um, Afterlife. 
pretty much everything you wanted to know about what happens when you die and uh, what heaven is like, what the resurrection's like. Everyone's going to get a resurrection body, what you'll look like and uh, what that resurrection body will be able to do. Judgment day and what that's going to be like is different for the Christian to the non-Christian. Uh, the new world that's coming also contains our story that we, we lost our, um, I lost my first wife, Jane and, and Greta, lost her first husband, Ron, a number of years ago and God brought us together, healed us of the grief. So some of that story is there too. So check it out because it's an incredibly encouraging book and we're getting great feedback. Love to give that one away. Anyone like that, you're welcome to. I see a lady in black. You've got your hand up. Come and get it. I just, oh, thanks. Yeah, here she goes. There you go. Bless you. Enjoy. <laughs> That's cool. We were um, last year over on the Gold Coast doing a seminar for a wonderful a couple called Marshall and Rochelle Gray. They used to be at Life, and they planted a church on the Gold Coast. And uh, anyone been to the Gold Coast? It's beautiful, isn't it? White sand, blue skies, sun shines all the time. Uh, you know, just incredible. And so we were on this incredibly difficult missions trip to the Gold Coast, suffering for the Lord. You know, it was a dirty job, but someone had to go and do a seminar there. And uh, so we'd done the seminar, we did Sunday morning, and then we were supposed to have this one-hour service, five o'clock to six o'clock Sunday night. And uh, as, as I'm praying in the hotel uh, before the meeting, uh, I sang, Lord, what do you want to do tonight? And I felt the word glory come, that the Lord wanted to release His glory. Now, we've been in meetings where uh, God's glory has been manifest through particular signs and wonders like people start getting oil on their hands or heads, uh, uh, people start getting gold flakes on their, um, their hands or they feel wind or stuff like that. So I was wondering, well, is that kind of thing going to happen in the meeting tonight? So we get to the meeting and we've got this, one, this wonderful sense of worship and then we get up to share and, uh, and then partway through the message, we just feel the Lord is saying to the people, He's issuing a call to intimacy, and that's what I want to speak to you about tonight, a call to intimacy, and, and I said, look, if any of you want to respond to that call, um, that you want to get closer to Jesus, just come out the front right now, and people streamed out the front, and they knelt, and they stood, and they sat, and they lay down, and, and, and we just began, the, the room began to fill up with the presence of Jesus. And um, it got so thick and heavy, and that's what glory means, actually. The word glory just means weight, splendor, magnificence. So, like, there's a sense of the presence of God here tonight, but when you get the glory realm, it's, it goes to a whole other level. It's like, wow, God's here. And so we be just began to worship, and there's prophetic stuff happening. Greta and I were calling out things, and as we were, the music team was picking it up with creating songs on the spot or pulling in a song that was appropriate, and and the room just filled up with the glory of Jesus. It's like profound sense of God's presence. And like I looked at my watch and an hour and a half had gone. And I said to the pastor, look, we were half an hour over time. You want to close it? No, 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 don't close it. We just kept going. The kids came in from the kids' church. They were dancing before the Lord. And this thing just went on and on. And, and finally, after two and a half hours, we reluctantly, I might add, closed the meeting. It was just one of those times where the presence of Jesus was so real. And what I took from that night is that the Lord 
as we, as we picked up that prophetic sense that he was issuing this call to intimacy to his church, we realized that it wasn't just to that one church on the Gold Coast of Australia. This is a global call to the church right now throughout the earth. God is calling his kids to get closer than ever before. There's a hunger for the presence of God like you wouldn't believe all over the world. Churches are pursuing God in prayer. There's a fire for prayer and mission and the pursuit of the presence of God that's being released throughout the church. We've just been in the UK, ministered in 13 churches. That fire is burning in the UK churches, let me tell you. And I looked up the word intimacy, and this is what it means coming up on the screen, a close or warm friendship, a belonging together. A close or warm friendship, a belonging together. Psalm 25, 14 says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant or his secrets. Fearing the Lord means to revere him, to love him, to honor him, to put him first. There's an amazing story um, in the Gospels where Jesus uh, one day goes into this uh, village called Bethany. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem. And he's in this village. He's got a lot of his disciples with him. And there's a, there's a couple of women in the village um, called Martha and Mary. And, and Martha is very hospitable. And so she invites Jesus and his disciples to come into their home. And um, we re read it, the story in Luke 10, 38 to 42, and it says, Jesus and the disciples came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken from her. You see, Martha was a practical sort of person. She's a pragmatist. She's practical. She's thinking about serving. You've got to understand in the Middle East, hospitality is huge and it's all around food. So you invite, it's like the Polynesians, it's all around food. Is that right? And I'm Middle Eastern, so let me tell you, I, I, I'm with you on that. Let, and so it's all about food. You bring people into your house. You've got to put on this big spread and you sit down for this meal and you have this amazing fellowship over the meal. And this is what Martha's thinking. This is her culture, her culture. And she's practical and she's got this big dinner. And he's got, she's got 12 hungry disciples with Jesus plus other crowd members. And she's got to feed them all. And she's starting to fret and get anxious. And, uh, and I know no one here ever gets anxious over stuff like that, but she was getting anxious. And, uh, and, she's, and she's looking at herself sister Mary, that lazy slob, all she's doing is sitting doing nothing. And she starts to judge Mary. See, Martha's a pragmatist. She's practical. Mary's a mystic. She's mystical. She just kind of loves worship. She loves the presence of God. And in the church, we got both. We've got people that are practical. We've got people that are mystical. And the practical people say to the mystical people, will you stop praying and worshiping God and get out and do something? And then the mystical people say, you're so unspiritual. Why don't you pray some more and worship and fast some more? Then you might know. And you've got this little war going on. And this is what was happening in the house. And, and Jesus said, Martha, you've missed the point. Now, he wasn't scolding her for wanting to prepare a meal. He wasn't scolding her because she had a serving gift, because that was her gifting. He was just saying, listen, you got your priorities wrong. Mary's got it right. You see, 
We're not to sit after serving, we're to serve after sitting. And you gotta learn to sit at the feet of Jesus and then get up from that place of rest, that place of intimate connection with the Lord, and then you begin to go out and you do the practical things. But so many of us are running around doing all the practical things, getting tired, getting weary, and we know Jesus, but we don't know Jesus because we're not taking the time to sit at His feet, open His Word, listen to what He's got to say to us, be in prayer, be in worship. We're not taking the time to do that because you say, but life's so busy. Yeah, I know we're all in the same boat, but God knows about busy lives. But I believe if you get up half an hour earlier and just choose to sit at the feet of Jesus or you choose some time in the day and, you know, just to create a place of intimacy. Somebody said that without solitude, it is almost impossible to live a spiritual life. You gotta have times. Now, I, b I believe in 24-7 prayer. You can pray behind the driver's wheel of the car. You can talk to God in the bus, on the train. You can, you can be doing the gardening, talking to the Lord. You can be out peddling, uh, you know, cycling around the city. You can be talking to the Lord. I love all that. And the fact that we have that 24-7 uh, uh, invitation to talk to Jesus. But listen, he said, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, get still with me, get alone with me. There has to be alone time in somewhere in your day there has to be time where you just get alone with Jesus and you love him you maybe sometimes you don't even say anything to him you just you put on worship music and you listen and you sing along or you just get still or you grab your guitar or you go for a walk on the beach you're just connecting with the Lord or you're in a chair and you got the word open and you're reading it you're meditating it or you're walking up and down your lounge you're praying you're talking to God you've got alone time with him it's called creating a space of intimacy there's a man called Walter Butler. He was a great missionary statesman. He served the Lord for 40 years. And um, if we can have the picture up on the screen of Walter, he's coming up. We got that. Has there been PowerPoint coming up? There has. It won't come. Well, anyway, he's a, he's a good man. And um, he served the Lord for 40 years. And, um, and then he retired. There he is. And so he said to the Lord, Lord, all my ministry life, I've prayed to get anointing on my ministry. I've studied the word of God to get messages to preach. But now I don't need to do that anymore. What I want to do, Lord, is just give that time to you. So I'm going to begin to just seek you in your word to discover who you are. I'm just going to pray and worship who you are. And so he began to do that. Got up at 6 a.m. every morning, went to his office, and um, it was a big chair he'd sit in and it faced out the window. The back of the chair was to the office door. So he's doing this every morning. And after about six weeks of doing this, one morning he hears footsteps coming down the hallway. He said, that's strange. I didn't think my wife would be up right now. And the footsteps stopped outside the door. The door swung open and he heard the footsteps come into the room and the room filled with the presence of Jesus. And he began to see, God began to open his eyes. Jesus was coming. He saw him in an open vision. Jesus walked right into that room, walked up to his chair and stood behind the chair. And Butler had his eyes shut and he was worshiping the Lord, just lost in the presence of Jesus. And then he began to feel these droplets of water falling on him. Thought, what is this? And he opened his eyes. He looked up into the face of Jesus and Jesus was weeping over Walter Butler. He said, Lord, why are you weeping? And Jesus said, it's because I so love your fellowship. 
I so love your fellowship. You know, God so loves you, but he also likes you. Some of you really struggle with that. I think, how could Jesus like me? He not only loves you, he likes you, and he wants to spend time with you. It's the longing of his heart. Like he bled and died on a cross for you. Not just that you got to heaven, but you'd know him. He said, he said to his disciples, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, his Christ, whom you sent. And that word know, is a, a word means know in intimacy. He likes you. He loves you. In 2 Corinthians 11, verses 2 to 3, it says, uh, Apostle Paul says to these Corinthian Christians, I'm jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. For I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow you'll be led away from your pure and simple devotion to Christ, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent. Paul was a bold man. We talked about him this morning. He went through incredible persecutions. He got through it. But you know, for a bold, courageous man, he had a big fear. And his big fear is that his disciples, the people that he'd led to Jesus, would somehow stop having an intimate connection with Jesus. And he talked about Christianity being a pure and simple devotion to Christ. That's what you signed on for. You didn't sign on for religion. You didn't sign on to belong to a church. You signed on for a pure and simple relationship to Jesus. It should be so pure, so simple that a little child can have a connection to Jesus, and there's little children all over the world uh, prophesying and having visions of angels and praying for the sick because they are getting to know the Lord Jesus. It ought to be simple, not complicated. Religion's complicated. Knowing Jesus ought to be simple, and it ought to be a pure relationship so we don't, we don't mess the waters with distractions and other things. And nobody, I think, deliberately sets out to go astray from the Lord. Maybe a few do, but most people don't deliberately set out to be led astray from that. It's much more subtle. And what happened in the Garden of Eden, if you read the story, the devil came in the form of a serpent and he, he seduced Eve into eating the fruit by a lie. And, and just by a clever, cunning trick, he managed to break the connection Adam and Eve had with God. God used to come into that garden every day and they'd talk with him face to face and they'd walk with him. That is a picture of intimacy and that was lost because the enemy deceived that. Jesus hung on a cross to get that back for you and me and ultimately it will be fulfilled in heaven when we see him face to face. But right now you can know me. We were singing a song. You know, we're headed for heaven, but hey, heaven is in me. Heaven's right here. Heaven's around you. Jesus is, is, is this close to you. But we often get led astray from a pure and simple devotion to Jesus by distractions, by busyness, by even good things. Making a meal for Jesus and the disciples was a good thing. But Martha was led astray. She should have been sitting at the feet of Jesus. How many times does Jesus come into a home physically? And she missed it. Paul talks about the um, church being a bride. He said, I betrothed you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. And the Bible calls the church a lot of things. It calls it a house because we have structure, calls it a family because we've got relationship with one another, calls it a body because we're all different parts, but we need one another to function. 
uh, calls us an, an army because we've got to have a militancy to advance uh, the kingdom of God and the gospel in the earth. It calls us a temple because, uh, you know, we carry the presence of God into our workplaces, universities, schools, and when we come together, the presence of God is among us. Uh, but the Bible also calls the church a bride, and a bride speaks of purity and a bride speaks of love. And Jesus is coming back for a bride. And I was sharing a little bit of my story this morning about how my first wife, Jane, uh, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before she met. She was in remission when we met and we were married. And then for the first five or six years of our marriage, uh, she was in relatively good health. But then the disease kicked in, was the worst form of MS. And gradually, it just she lost function, ended up in a wheelchair. And I shared this morning how for the last 16 years of her life, uh, I was her full-time caregiver. She couldn't do anything for herself. And I remember one day, uh, partway through that 16 years, just thinking back and feeling a little bit sorry for myself about what we'd lost. And I was actually remembering our wedding day, and I think if we can bring the picture up of, of that, that's Jane and me on our wedding day. Now, no rude comments about the long sideies and lots of hair, because that's how we were back then. And so that's Jane and me on our wedding day. And I was thinking back to this day, thinking, wow, she was in good health. That was an amazing day, and now she wasn't. And I was thinking like, you know, we can't really, we can no longer walk on the beach and hold hands. We can't stand together at the front of a church and pray for people and minister to people. We can't just be spontaneous and say, hey, let's just go out for a coffee, because when you're in a wheelchair, it's a really big deal to organize yourself to do that. We just, there's all these restrictions. I was feeling sorry for myself, and I was thinking about our wedding day, how healthy she was, and I just blurted out in my pain, because I was feeling all this pain, and I just blurted out, Lord, I want my bride back. And I prayed for healing many times, but I'd never articulated the cry of my heart like, I want my bride back. And then Jesus spoke to me, not audibly, but he spoke into my mind, but it was so clear it could have been audible. And this is what he said to me. He said, I know how you feel. I want my bride back too. And I felt his pain. See, Jane was in a wheelchair. I didn't love her any less because she was disabled. Jesus doesn't love us any less because we're disabled or maybe we're not perfect in following him. He just loves us the same. But it's not about that. I long for her to be healed just to be free. And Jesus longs for you to be intimate with him so that you can become the person that he created you to be. He loves you as you are. As I said this morning, it's not based on your performance. It's not based on, you know, how close you're getting to God. He just loves you irrespective of where you are and where you're at. But he's calling you. And the longing in his heart, I sensed his pain. And there's something in the Bible called the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. That's a brave prayer to pray. And I didn't know what that meant till that moment. I used to think that when we suffer, Jesus comes and fellowships with us, gives us strength to get through the suffering, and that is true, but it's only half the story. The other half is when you suffer, if you listen closely enough, you just might hear the pain in God's heart. And so when you hear the pain in His heart, the two of you become one in your mutual pain. I was feeling pain of losing my bride. Jesus was feeling pain for His lost bride. We both wanted our, our brides to be whole and healed. That's the longing in His heart. And I felt His pain, and we had fellowship 
fellowship like I'd never known before. Somebody said every situation of pain is an invitation into the heart of Jesus. When you go through pain, when you go through difficulty, if you will listen, see sometimes our pain is screaming so loud, we don't hear the invitation of the Lord. Just come closer. You might be concerned. You might have a friend or a loved one, a family member that doesn't know Jesus and you know that unless they get saved, they're on their way to hell and you feel the pain about that. Well, listen, if you'll stop and listen, how you might just feel the pain of Father God who looks at 7 billion people on planet Earth and only 2 billion are Christian and he's feeling pain for 5 billion who don't yet know him. And that might motivate you to get a fire of mission and prayer to begin to say, oh God, save the people in my family. I'm not going to give up praying and loving them until they come into the kingdom of God. And Jane passed away. That was a devastating blow, but God healed me of that and in a miraculous way brought Greta into my life. She'd lost her husband a couple of months later. And so... You know, about a year after Jane died, I'm standing at the front of another church having another wedding. And my bride is walking down the aisle and we've got a photo coming up. And um, I'm looking at Greta, this beautiful bride, walk down the aisle and this is what the Lord says to me. Son, I've given you your bride back. I thought, that's not quite how I thought it would happen, Lord, but that's okay. Jane is in heaven, promoted to glory. You've given me another bride. And a prophetic friend later on said to us, she said, listen, she said, I believe your first marriage was a sign of Jesus' longing for his bride. And your second marriage is a sign of hope that God is gonna have a beautiful bride in the earth that Jesus comes back for. And that beautiful bride is, is gonna be composed of people that choose over everything else to make a priority out of intimacy, as Greta said. They choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. You choose in the midst of all your busyness and all the things of life that you've gotta do. And life is pressurized on earth. But listen, unless we sit at his feet, unless you choose to do that, you the stress and the pressures, we don't cope. Jesus said, come to me, those who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for yourself. When you sit at the feet of Jesus, he imparts rest to you. See, I said, you know, we're to, we're to serve after sitting. We're, we're not to rest from work. We're to work from the place of rest. And one of the worst places to get busy is on a church staff, talking to all the leaders here. One of the worst places is full-time Christian ministry because you think you're doing religious stuff, that's enough. But before you know it, you're so busy, you're not taking time to sit at his feet. Revelation 3.20, Jesus issues this amazing invitation to a lukewarm church called Laodicea. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious with me will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on my throne. And if you read Revelation chapter three, you find this is a very lukewarm church and Jesus says to this lukewarm church, one of the most amazing promises in the Bible. There's actually seven churches. You can read in Revelation two and three, and he speaks to all seven churches. And this is the worst church, and to the worst church, he makes the best promise. And the reason I think he makes the best promise, look at it. If you open the door, 
If you invite me in, we'll share a meal together. Remember, that's Middle Eastern code for intimacy. That's Middle Eastern code for relationship and fellowship. You, you have fellowship over a meal. You have intimate connection and friendship around a meal. He's speaking to Middle Eastern people. They know exactly what he's saying. Wow, we're going to get to have a meal with Jesus. That's what he's saying. You will come if you will open the door. I will not lock it down. You've got to open it. And if you want intimacy, you'll have it. We'll sit down. We'll have a meal together. What as friends. And to this lukewarm church, he issues the greatest promise. And I think the reason for that is the spirit of lukewarmness is one of the hardest to overcome. You know, right now in China, it's a pure church because they're persecuted. 35,000 people will come to Christ in China today alone. Every day, 35,000 people come to Jesus in China. It's a pure church. In the Middle East, it's a pure church. You're a Christian, you could die for it. But in the Western world, we have such freedom. And, but I think we, we, you know, we may not be persecuted, but I think we have a spirit that is working against us that may even be worse than persecution. And it's lukewarmness. Because it just sneaks up on you. And before you know it, you're being led astray from a pure and simple devotion. And the fire goes out. And God wants to fire in us. The only way to get that fire stoked is just go again, sit at the feet of Jesus. I don't think there's many lukewarm people here, but maybe there's some people that are distracted and busy and you kind of lost the rhythm, lost the rhythm of grace, of learning to just walk with Jesus and sit at his feet because of the demands and pressures on your life. Remember Martin Luther, that great Protestant reformer, he said, I got so much to do today, I'm gonna spend an extra couple of hours in prayer. Like that, that's just, that doesn't make sense. It just, but he knew that if he sat with Jesus, he'd get sharpened and the work that he had to do would get done a whole lot better. And I believe the Lord wants, as I wrap it up now, the Lord wants to release us from religious duty. He wants to bring us back into the joy of intimacy and friendship. He wants to free us from religious performance. Listen, he is not looking for perfection. He's looking for relationship. If you think you gotta be perfect before you can have intimacy with Jesus, you're wrong. He's looking for you as you are. He just says, come as you are. Come with your imperfections. Come with your weaknesses. I'll sort them out. Just come and sit at my feet because when you behold him, you transform from one degree of glory to another. And if my dream, I don't know what your dream is. Maybe your dream is to have a great vocation. Maybe your dream is to have a great marriage, a great business. Maybe your dream is to be a politician. Maybe your dream is to be an architect. Maybe your dream is to build a great marriage. Maybe your dream is to have a great ministry. And those are all good dreams. But let me tell you, they're all lesser dreams. The greatest dream has got to be to know Him. If you make Him the greatest dream. If you make Him the greatest dream. That'll, that'll sustain you all through your life. All through your life. Listen, there'll come a day where you retire. You may not do your vocation or your ministry anymore. What have you got left when, you're, when your lesser dream ends, when your business, you close it down because you've done it, you've been there and done that. And I see a lot of people retire. They get into their 60s and 70s and I've seen pastors do this because they've made the ministry their dream. They haven't made Jesus their dream. And when the ministry stops, they're lost. They don't know what to do. But if you make Him your dream, you'll never be lost. You make him your dream, even when your marriage fails, you won't be lost. You'll find he's a redemptive God. He can redeem the worst of situations. 
And in a moment, we're gonna pray because I believe what the Lord wants to do is release a fire of fresh passion for Jesus in this place. I believe, you know, the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost Day with tongues of fire and rested, that fire rested on people. I believe fire is gonna come on people tonight. You've just gotta be a little bit hungry and say, yeah, I know, I need to press into Him more. I don't know how to do that, but God's gonna help me. He's just looking for your hunger tonight. But before we get to that place, I've been talking about this amazing Saviour called Jesus. And you might be here tonight, you may never have given your life to Jesus Christ. You may not have known that your sin, the wrong things that you've done, they actually separate you from God. You can't come close to Him because our sin separates us from a holy God. But the good news is that Jesus died on a cross. Why? To take the punishment of your sin on Himself. And the Bible says as many that believe in Jesus, who receive Him into their lives, He gives them power to become children of God. He washes away your sin. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I want to get to know You. I give my life to You. Lord, come in and take control. It's like that verse, you just open the door. Jesus said, I'm standing outside the door of your life knocking. If, if you open the door, I will come in. He'll never knock it down. Never be like one of those SWAT teams that just break it down and, and, and he won't do that. He waits for you to open the door. There may be people here tonight, you've never opened the door to Jesus in your life. Tonight's the night. Or maybe you once did, but you walked right away from God and you know that you need to come back to Him tonight. And I'd love to pray in a moment for anybody that would like to give their life to Jesus or come back to Him. But right now, we're just gonna ask you to, to indicate that. Can we just all close our eyes to help us concentrate tonight? And I know the Holy Spirit is tugging at a lot of hearts here tonight. And if you know that you need to open the door of your life to Jesus. Ask Him to forgive you, ask Him to come into your life. Or maybe you've been away from God and tonight you know that you need to come back. You're gonna open the door fresh. I'm gonna ask you to do something very simple in the next minute, and that's simply just to raise your hand and that will be an indication that you're saying, yeah, uh, I need Him in my life. And if that's you tonight, you need to give your life to Jesus or come back to Him, you quickly just shoot your hand up in the air right now. I'll, I'll spot it and acknowledge it. Is there anyone? I'm looking around. Just raise your hand. Just throw it in the air. You're saying, yes, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Just up in the back of the balcony. Thank you. God bless you. Right in front of me. Anyone else? Right now, just quickly, raise your hand. Sometimes it's a little hard for me to spot. There's another person over there in the balcony. God bless you. Anyone else? Just quickly. Looking down on the ground floor. Is there anyone down here? You're saying, yeah, I need Jesus in my life or I need to come back to Him. You know, sometimes fear will stop you. The devil would love to paralyze you with fear tonight. You know your heart's pumping. You know tonight's the night. You need to make some kind of response because you really cannot afford to walk out that door and just keeping the door shut on Jesus. Tonight, He's knocking on your door because you've heard this message. and He's saying, I'm waiting for you to open the door and I'm just waiting for you right now. Just throw your hand in the air. Overcome any fear that you might feel. What do other people think? Listen, who cares what other people think? It's what God thinks that really matters. He said, 
if you confess me before people, I will confess you before my Father. God bless you up in the balcony on my left. Thank you. Or anyone else? I think that's about three so far. Anyone else? Just quickly raise your hand. Throw it up in the air. You're saying, yes, I'm going to allow Jesus to come into my I'm going to give my life to Him. And I'm just scanning the room. Just quickly raise your hand right now. All right. I don't see anyone else. Let's all stand, church. We're going to all pray a prayer together to receive Jesus. But the three people, especially that raised your hands, can you especially pray this and mean it with all your heart? Just follow me out loud. Here we go, Lord Jesus. I ask you to forgive me all my sins. I'm really sorry for them, Lord. And I turn from them and I turn to you. I believe you died on a cross for me. You rose again from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. I now open the door of my life and I ask you to come and live in me. I now receive you. I now return to you. Lord, give me power to live for you for the rest of my days. Amen. If you're one of those three people that raised your hand, somebody will come to you at the end of the meeting. Somebody will come to you at the end of the meeting. We're just going to take a couple of minutes to sing, then we're going to pray. Honey, can you come and join me on stage? Thanks, guys. Come on, sing it with all your heart. This is Jesus we're singing about tonight. Silence the boast of sin and grace. The heavens are
but I know I need more fire in my life for passion for Him. I'm not there yet. Are there anyone else who says, God, I need something more. I need a greater love for Jesus. I wanna, Lord, I wanna be devoted to You. I, I, I just keep praying, Lord, make me hungrier, make me thirsty, increase my capacity. Don't let me be satisfied with a little bit of You. I want more of You. Increase my capacity, increase my hunger. If, that's, if you're a little bit hungry tonight, why don't you lift your hands to the Lord? We're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to release fresh fire. Oh, welcome, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you are here. And Lord, we say, we lift our hands. We cry out for more of Jesus. We wanna love you more, Jesus. We want to know you more, Jesus. We choose tonight to come closer to your heart. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I release His fire. Receive a fire of fresh passion for Jesus. Receive a fire of fresh love for Jesus. Let it burn in your heart. Love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame, the Bible says. All across this room, Holy Spirit, touch your people. Receive His fire of burning love. Just keep your hands lifted to the Lord. You know, the Bible says that we're to fan into flame the gifts that are in us through the laying on of hands. And we're not laying hands on you praying, but we are imparting prophetically. And the Holy Spirit is here. And I really do believe when we release fire, you can catch it. You just gotta be hungry and you just gotta have faith to say, Lord, I'm having that. Just quickly raise your hands again if you've dropped them. In the name of Jesus, fresh fire all through this room. In Jesus' name, God's gonna reorder priorities. I see it. God's turning timetables upside down. He's making the true things the priority. The lesser things are the lesser things. In Jesus' name, we release fresh fire of love and intimacy. We release fire of passion for Jesus all through this room right now, a pure and simple devotion to Jesus. Right now, we release it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit.